Today, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven. Great subject. And um, eventually, we're going to be looking at a passage in the Gospel of Luke. So with your pew Bibles or your personal Bibles, I would, I would um, invite you to turn to Luke chapter 17. And we're going to be focusing attention on a very short passage. It's Luke chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. So has anybody here or at home watching this worship service today, have you ever not wondered where heaven is? Maybe some people would say they never gave it a thought, but you know what, I'd question that. Even self-proclaimed atheists would have to say they've considered the idea of heaven. Otherwise, they couldn't be atheists. If you're a parent, it's likely that your child at one time or another says to you, where's heaven? And that's a reasonable question because people they love pass. And they say, well, they're going to heaven. So where do you say heaven is? Do you have an answer? Some people think heaven is somewhere out in the vast universe, up in the stars, or maybe in some other dimension. You know, quantum physics has opened up this mysterious option of having heaven be a real place in another dimension, a dimension that we can't see. You can go online, spend time on the internet, and you'll have plenty of other ideas to consider about where heaven is. They're unending. But you know, there's one common desire that each one of us has when it comes to the idea of heaven. You know what it is? We all want to be there. C.S. Lewis captures this sentiment in something he wrote once. He said, we all want to be happy, but we're not all sure why. It's because we were made for another world. We were made for a better world, and we would like to get back there. Well, rather than plying the internet for answers, let's look to the Bible for answers. But, you know, there's one common theme about heaven that is taught throughout scripture it's this heaven is where God is the New Testament gospels record more than 50 references that Jesus taught us about heaven Jesus refers to heaven as a kingdom he refers to it both the kingdom of God and in other places he says it's the kingdom of heaven Jesus also refers to the kingdom of heaven as my kingdom. We saw that when Pilate was questioning him before the the crucifixion, Pilate asked of Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Pilate looked at him and said, You are a king then. 
Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth, and everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So what does Jesus tell Pilate? He says, and and, and what he tells Pilate here, it's very clear. He says, heaven is a place. Heaven is a kingdom. Heaven is the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king of heaven. And Jesus, as the king of heaven, has come into the world to testify to the truth. All of that was in that statement to Pilate. You know, Pastor Ray taught a wonderful series on the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. You can find those messages on the, on the church website. They're really worth reviewing and, and looking at again. But he also had a seven-part series on Sunday afternoons. And the, and the topic of the series was one minute after you die. And he was presenting the ideas and the, and the teaching of a, a great Bible teacher named Erwin um, uh, Lutzer. And Ray shared something that Lutzer wrote in his book. He, he wrote this. We never have to say, as a believer, he departed. Rather, we say, he has arrived. Heaven is the Christian's final destination. Thanks to God, thanks to Christ, we can be free from the fear of death. We can take comfort from Christ, who gave us an example of how to face that final hour. So the biblical teachings of heaven are clearly displayed. They are all true, and they bring us great hope. As believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we can say that we know we will be in heaven after we pass. But here's another question. Do we need to wait until we die to enter or take part in the kingdom of God? The Bible will say no, not at all. There's a unique and beautiful passage and a teaching about the kingdom of God found in the Gospel of Luke. That's the, the one we're going to look at in chapter 17 today. Here Jesus teaches us that we can live out our lives now as members of his kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is in us. Or is in our midst or amongst us. Why do I say it three different ways? Open your Bibles if you haven't and be there with me as you're looking at at the scripture. Because I want to start pointing out some of the things that are unique. This passage is unique because what Jesus says here is not recorded in any of the other gospels. So, Let me tell you how this passage is set up. A group of Pharisees came to Jesus one day. And they said to Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? When is it coming? Jesus' answer was a bit shocking to them because he said the kingdom of God has already come. Jesus said the coming of the kingdom of God, this is from Luke, 
is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And why was this shocking for the Jews? It was shocking because Messiah and the kingdom of God will have signs. That's what they believe. This belief is supported by Old Testament scriptures. And, one of, and we can see this as an example in the book of Daniel. You know, Daniel was brought be, before King Nebuchadnezzar to interpret a dream that the king was having about, um, about kingdoms and the rise and fall of kingdoms. And Daniel saw the dreams as prophecy revealing that a kingdom of God will come sometime in the future. And he predicted that in time, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It will crush all other kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it will self-endure forever. This is from the book of Daniel. So for first century Jews, the arrival of Messiah and the kingdom of God would certainly be concurrent with major signs, social upheaval, or wars. But Jesus taught otherwise. He says the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be seen. Rather, the kingdom of God is already here. The kingdom is in your midst. In other words, you can't see it because the kingdom of God is in you. I can just see these poor Pharisees looking dumbfounded and shaking their heads and saying, What? Because for them, this may have been pure heresy. So let's take a look at the passage a little closer. It's in two parts. First is the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. That's shocking. And then the second is in in the NIV, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, if we were able to see the, the, the Greek scripture on, on the board here, we weren't able to do that. But there's a, a very interesting statement that is, is, is presented by Luke as to what Jesus said. He used this word entos, humon estin, which means literally the kingdom of God is in you. And it's a plural, you. So he was speaking to the Pharisees and he's saying, the kingdom of God is in you. Other translations like the New Living Bible says, the kingdom of God is already among you. Similar, but a little different. And then New International Version says, of course, the kingdom of God is in your midst. And there are other English translations, but they all basically have these three different ways. It's either in you, within you, already among you, or in your midst. Now, a professor of mine at seminary says, you know, translation is treason. That means you can't always rely on the English translation carrying the full weight of what was written in the original language. So is it in you, within you, among you, in your midst? If you would ask me, I would say, yes, 
I would say it's all of that. Because it captures, the, the original captures all of this. I would say it even captures the idea that Jesus would say, the kingdom is already here. Me has come with me. And that's why this is such a unique passage because Jesus approaches this directly with the Pharisees. So what's important about this passage is not the English translations in which one is right. What's important is is that we don't need to wait till we die to be part of or to live in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in our hearts. It's in our midst. It's wherever we are. One commentator said if you were in a capsule and you were flying through space towards Mars and you were to take out your Bible or just bend on your knee and pray to God, God would be with you in that capsule. He is with you. Now, most commentators, I will say this, they did not want to say the kingdom of God is in you. They like to say amongst you or in your midst or that sort of thing. And why is that? When you read their their reasoning, why? They usually say, because we're talking about Pharisees here. Jesus wouldn't say the kingdom of God is in a Pharisee's heart. Well, although I greatly respect the time and the effort and the study of theologians that would make that statement, I have to personally say that I don't agree with it. And that's because I believe each Pharisee was an individual person. Many of the Pharisees attacked Jesus' credibility whenever they thought they could. But others were drawn to Jesus. Some secretly followed him, believing that he was a prophet from God, even Messiah. In John's gospel, another group of Pharisees once confronted Jesus after he had healed a blind man. And some of them said, he's a demon-possessed man. Madman, a raving madman. Why listen to him? But others in that same group, others in that same group said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? We've all heard of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. These were both Pharisees and they were members of the ruling Council of Jews. They were under Jewish ruling council, very high. Pharisees. They had listened to Jesus and had their souls touched by his kingdom teachings and God's love. And you know, these two men were the men who carried Jesus' dead body to the grave. So, Pharisees were made up of individuals. And to give you kind of a, a look at that on a present day way, we have in our country, for instance, we have political parties, don't we? We have a Republican Party. and We have a Democrat Party. And if you would listen to the news media long enough, you would start to believe that one party or another party is a Christian or not a Christian. All of these people couldn't be Christians and all of these people are Christians. We hear this all the time. It's beat into our heads. 
But we're not clones of one another, are we? We're individuals. The Pharisees were individuals. Jesus does not have a political party or a group. He never presented it as such in the scriptures. He draws individuals to himself as kingdom people. Jesus speaks to the indwelling of his spirit and his love for his people in his prayer found in John 17. This is what Jesus prayed. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So it's very likely that for some of those Pharisees that day, the kingdom of heaven was within them. Maybe one or all of those Pharisees' men became philosophers. Not philosophers, followers, I'm sorry. But Jesus was also declaring that the kingdom of heaven was not only in them, but within their midst. What does that mean? That he's within their midst. It speaks to the omnipresence of God. He's anywhere. He's everywhere. In the Old Testament, that teaching is profoundly found all throughout the Old Testament writings. Just one in particular, Psalm 139. David writes, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle for him on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The prophet Jeremiah also talks about the omnipresence of God. He writes, Who can hide in the secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill the earth and heavens, declares the Lord. And the omnipresence of God is even written all throughout the New Testament scriptures. In many places, Matthew's gospel ends with Jesus declaration of his omnipresence we all know the passage all authority in heaven and on earth has been given me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and now hear what he says at the end and he says surely i am with you always to the very end of the age So he's not only with us everywhere we go, he's with us as his people until the end of the age, until he comes back. In this Matthew 28 passage that I just read, 
we hear about his omnipresence, but we also see that Jesus says, and teach them everything I have commanded you. So what is that command? Well, the apostle John, in his first letter, he summarized it. And he not only summarized it, but he tied in a summary of what the commands are with the indwelling presence of God's spirit in our hearts. Listen to what John wrote. He said, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it because of the spirit he gave to us. So we, we've talking about heaven. Where is heaven? Heaven is a place. It's a kingdom. And we know the Bible teaches us that at some point in time in the future, there is going to be some sort of cosmic, earth-shattering event where Jesus will return and usher in the kingdom of God and to a new world. And it will be a kingdom ushered in in judgment. We know that. The Bible teaches us this. But the Bible is also teaching us through Jesus that the kingdom is even here now. The kingdom came with his coming. And so there's this duality of the kingdom. We have the kingdom to come in judgment and the kingdom that has come and is amongst us, not in judgment, but in grace. Jesus came and ushered in the kingdom of God in grace. And we are able to live within that kingdom. So we all look forward to our ascension into the eternal heaven at the end of our lives. And honestly, heaven will be more glorious than anyone can imagine. If you tell me what heaven's going to be like, I'm going to say what Pastor Ray says all the time. He says, it'll be even a little bit better than that. So we have that to look forward to in heaven. But here and now, we can live within the midst of heaven, living as members of God's kingdom. You know, in the beginning of time, God said, let there be light. John's gospel teaches that in Jesus was life, and he writes, and that life was the light of men. Science teaches us that we can only see a limited spectrum of the light that's available, right? So you can imagine the glory of God's light if we were to see it all. That doesn't matter because Jesus said, we are the light of the world. And that we can have God's light shine before others that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven because they see it. That's a great privilege. And you know what? Living this way, aware of the kingdom of God in our hearts and living that kingdom day in and day out, that's what kingdom living looks like because the kingdom of God lives within us and in our midst. And we have this privilege to do this every day, to live this life, displaying the glory of God by the way we see, by the way we listen, by the way we speak, by the way we love one another. All of this reflecting the love and glory of God to the people in our midst.
So this should be our daily prayer, shouldn't it? Should wake up in the morning and say, God, be my guide today as I live my life. Help me to speak in ways that would bring glory to you. Help me to listen in ways that would bring glory to you. Help me love and care for people in ways that would bring glory to you. Help me be your person, a kingdom person. Amen? Let's pray. God, that is a privilege. We have the greatest privilege ever. We have the privilege of having free grace, having you come into our lives and helping us to understand the gift of grace through faith. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you did to us, for us, as you lived in this world, especially for taking our sin and allowing us to be people of God and allowing us to have your kingdom reside in our hearts and in our midst. And not only that, God, to be able to live as your kingdom people. So please help us, one by one. Focus on today. Focus on now at any moment of the day. Help us to spend our days and our moments in each day being your people. Amen.